When your brain starts rushing And you're just too tired from pushing Well maybe it's time for shushing And cowfolk on the cushion Hello and welcome to Cowfolk on the Cushion, a podcast about country music, consciousness, and getting better. I'm Sam Breton, as I'm sure you know by now, and I'm your host. Um, First off, uh, you may have noticed last week that I have a new theme song. Um, That is thanks to uh, my friend Terry, who honestly I have actually never met in real life. Um, we only know each other from the internet and via Kelly, who is Terry's partner and my best friend. Um, but yeah, um, Terry did that theme song for me and I really appreciate it. I really like it. Um, it feels very nice, um, to have something personalized instead of, um, like royalty free (laughs) music, which there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it has served me well. And I'm sure we'll continue to in different contexts throughout the years or however long I keep doing this until I kind of inevitably drop it somewhere along the way. But um, yeah, I really like it. So shout out to Terry. Um, You should follow Terry and Kelly's band, Ancient Sofa. Uh, I believe that's ancient underscore sofa on Instagram. They're on SoundCloud. Um, so yeah, thank you, Terry. Um, what else do I want to say here at the top of the show? Um, I may or may not take the last week of the month off. Um, I'll try to keep you posted. I don't know how many people like really count on this as part of their week. Um, but you know, if you do, just giving you a heads up. I may not record anything that last week just to kind of regroup, um, start planning for next year. Um, that was definitely something that I intended to do this month was to really start planning, but, um, I just kind of hit like a big old depression pocket and I really haven't gotten anything done. Uh, I've barely been moving to be honest for the past few weeks. So uh, yeah, I might just give myself a break and start, um, kind of trying to build up, um, content and material so that I can kind of hit the ground running in 2021. Um, we'll see though. I mean, uh, my moods change fairly often. Uh, I could be in a much better place by then mentally, uh, or not. It could be worse. Who can say? Um, but yeah, just a heads up. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for just kind of like a housekeeping type of situation. Um, I do want to mention that, um, in this episode, I will be briefly kind of touching on, um, uh, issues of like abuse and assault. Uh, I'll try to give another heads up, um, when I get to that. But I just want to let you know um, that that content is here. It's not in-depth. I'm not going into any of my experiences. And I'm not going to go into anyone else's, really. It just I'm going to make some brief mention. Um, 
So yeah, just a heads up. Uh, if you're not in the space for that, just letting you know again, I'll try to let you know, um, before that comes up. Um, so yeah, trigger warning. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about this week, uh, and you may have kind of figured this out already, but, uh, a lot of the time what I talk about on the podcast is what came up in, um, Sangha the week before. Uh, and I think I've mentioned that before. Also, if you want to join my Sangha, hit me up and I'll send you the Zoom link. We meet Mondays, 630 to 8 via Zoom. Um, so yeah, this week we were discussing wise speech, um, which you may know as right speech. Um, I prefer wise, um, and a lot of people that I am in kind of like spiritual community with also prefer the term wise instead of right, because, uh, right kind of feels like it carries judgment and wise may be a better translation. Um, but yeah, part of the eightfold path, a very important part. And I think, um, one that's on my mind a lot. Um, and, um, something that got brought up in Sangha that I thought was really, um, interesting and helpful. And if you follow me on Instagram, I did a post about this. Um, but we talked about the acronym WAIT, which is why am I talking? And, um, I really like that as a tool. Um, and I'm surprised it's never come up anywhere else that I've been in, like, um, in therapy or in like consciousness raising stuff with women's studies or in organizing. And I guess in some ways it has kind of, I feel like it's a similar, um, it's kind of a similar idea to, um, step up, step, step up, step back or, um, yeah, I guess that's the best um, phrase, which gets used in organizing a lot, which is like, you know, if you realize that you're speaking a lot uh, and other people are not really getting a chance because you're kind of, you know, holding on to the mic, um, then it might be wise to um, wrap up your thoughts and give someone else a chance. And if you feel like you're not speaking much at all, um, then it would be wise to uh, make an attempt to start contributing more to the conversation, which is where I usually find myself. But, um, yeah, I think, um, this idea of this, like, wait, uh, why am I talking? Um, to me is really helpful for, um, dealing with like how we engage with social media. Um, and again, if you know me, you know that I am kind of constantly, in this battle with social media, um, where like, I want to be there, but I don't want to be there, but I want to be there and I don't want to be there. And I'm like, oh, I'm on a break, but then, oh wait, I'm going to pop on. And then I'm like, oh, I'm here for three weeks. And then, oh, I'm going to take a break. And then I'm like, I don't really take a break. Um, cause let's be real. I'm addicted. Many of us are addicted. Um, it's really fucking hard. And at the same time though, like I have, twice this year done a month off. So, uh, it's really, it's, it's clearly not that hard 
I guess it's just that I haven't been willing to commit um, to holding myself accountable uh, any other time. Um, which that's a whole other thing that I'm working on, just holding myself accountable to myself. Um, but yeah, um, I think one thing that I am always really grappling with and that this, uh, this talk reminded me of is like, um, like, why am I posting what I'm posting? Um, like, am I looking for validation? Am I looking for advice? Uh, do I need help? And I'm just like afraid to reach out to someone directly because I think that is often the case. Um, like, I think we all know that a lot of, um, like memes and shit posts are like quiet cries for help and attention when we're not doing well. Like, let's be real. That's how a lot of us, um, in the like millennial age range use the internet. Um, but yeah, like, um, what am I trying to get out of what I'm saying? And when I'm critiquing something, um, whether that be a politician, a law, uh, the behavior of people fucking hanging out at Bobby Salazar's, even though it shouldn't even be open, um, whatever. Like when I'm making posts about that or when I'm talking about it in person, um, what is my end goal? Like, um, I guess kind of like, um, am I talking shit just to talk shit? Um, is there maybe like a fear coming up in me that I'm, uh, not labeling as a fear and kind of just projecting? Um, or am I hoping that something will actually change? Am I speaking in a way that I'm trying to prompt change or am I just speaking in a way that's just being kind of bitchy? that's not to say that there's not room for bitchiness. Like, it's just part of who we are. There's no, um, no point in denying that sometimes we're just a little bit, um, salty or sour, you know? But I think it's worth examining why we say the things we say and, um, and how we say them and like why we say them in those ways. Um, and I think, um, so to get into kind of like, um, a Buddhist, um, uh, mindset, this is something that we talked about in, uh, Sangha. And this is not something that I am super, super familiar with. Like I have read the Dhammapada. Um, I've read a smattering of other Buddhist texts. Um, I actually took, a course on Buddhism uh, my last semester at Fresno State because one, I was interested, and two, I needed to take another class to get financial aid. <laughs> so uh, I took Buddhism. And I'm really glad that I did because it, uh, I think, has informed my practice um, a lot. Like, I'm, I can keep up in a Sangha full of people who've been meditating for years and still have some idea of um, uh, the context and the the texts that certain things come from so um but in regards to wise speech um we talked about uh Majjhima Nikaya 58 which is the Abhaya Sutta um and I'm not going to read anything from it but basically in this uh sutta um 
the Buddha lays out kind of like um, a list of like qualifications for what makes wise speech. Um, and um, I think that we, a lot of the time, I know for myself anyways, I speak um, without necessarily considering <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, it is kind of like a, a Sagittarius stereotype to kind of just um, maybe be a little bit too blunt and not consider how the words are going to land on someone. And um, so for someone like me, who can accidentally be a massive bitch, um, <laughs> this is something important to think about. So basically, um, I mean, if you were to just read this text, which... I mean, I do recommend reading. Um, the The words are a little bit confusing, as they often are in um, Buddhist, uh, I guess, scripture. It's not really, I mean, I don't know what to call it. In the Dharma, um, the Buddha does a lot of like back and forth and like, well, if this, then that, or if not this, then not that or whatever. Um so to just really strip it down and make it simple, he says that in order for speech to be wise, it should be one, uh, factual or true. Um, and I mean, that can be subject subjective, but I think um, when uh, one way to kind of make sure that what we're saying is true is to really just own that like this is my experience like you know in therapy you use your um your i statements like i feel this when you say this that's true i do feel that so um yeah is it factual like is this true it can be your truth but like is it true you're not just lying um two is it helpful or beneficial um like is it going to um help this person out? Is it going to help you out? Like asking for something that you need? Is it um, going to lead to social change? Like calling something out, um, say in a work meeting that like someone, you know, you think uh, you probably mean well, but this phrase is really not okay. So um, here's one that you could try. So is it helpful or beneficial? Uh, three, is it timely or relevant? This one, this makes me think a lot about men. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. But you know, sometimes you're in conversation and you like really want to say something, but you don't get a chance and you're still just really holding on. Like you're barely even paying attention to where the conversation has gone. It's in a completely different spot. And you're still just like, oh, but I really want to say this thing that was relevant like five minutes ago. And so you drag the conversation back. Um, that is not wise speech. <laughs> it's like, if we've moved on, we've moved on. Um, let's not continue bringing up things from the past. That's a relational thing as well. Like, um, if it's not relevant to the situation at hand, then maybe let's not go there. Um, yeah. And then four, is it um, kind or pleasant or bottom line, like, is it not intended to cause harm? 
Uh, and this is, I think, uh, where things get really sticky online. Um, obviously, um, when we uh, kind of get fired up, um, kindness isn't <laughs> generally the first thing on our minds, especially when it's about something really important, like, you know, um, the rights of uh, immigrants who've been detained and are being held in squalid conditions or like, um, you know, people uh, trying to say that they're going to beat up trans people uh, or any number of other things that have kind of been uh, looming social issues for a long fucking time, but just been very apparent under Trump. Um, and that's not to say that um, that we need to be kind um, to someone who is like actively trying to harm us. I think the the thing here is, um, like with your words, are you trying to hurt somebody? Um, because if you are, then at least be honest about that and be honest about the fact that you, that's not necessarily wise. Uh, it's not to say that it's necessarily wrong either. It's just, um, I don't think usually the, the best way to go about things, especially if it's someone that you care about. Um, and this is just part of being human too. Like we, um, we say things that maybe we shouldn't say and we're aware of it, but usually not until after we've said it. And then we're like, Oh fuck. So I think, um, thinking of, uh, of these four criteria in the context of this idea of like, why am I talking? Um, that gives us room to pause and, um, to just be like, okay, so I'm having these really strong feelings I really want to say something about them, but what am I saying? How am I going to say it? What am I hoping to get out of having said it? Um, and like, I think one reason that so many of us maybe don't do this, and I think this is true of me, is like, I didn't learn that it was okay to not have an immediate response to everything because in a lot of contexts, especially like at work or at school, um, it's very common for people to be like, you know, like, hurry up, answer me. What the fuck are you doing just standing there? Like, tell me right now. But sometimes it's just best if we don't, <laughs> because sometimes we, um, we maybe like our, the first thing that comes to mind is usually coming out of a place of hurt or like a past wound or, um, just kind of the unconscious conditioning that we all have. And, um, in a lot of situations, that's not going to be what anyone wants to hear. And it's not generally what we really want to put out there either. It's just what happens if we're not careful. Um, and so that was why I wanted to share because I think, um, I know I'm not the only one with like a very, um, complicated relationship with social media and with, um, what I say and why I say it and 
what kind of attention I'm trying to get and whether I want attention at all or if it's just something that I can handle on my own or, you know, any number of other things. Um, I think that we would all really benefit from learning to just pause um, before we respond to anything and um, really think through like, all right, what is this bringing up for me? And is it, is what's coming up relevant to this situation? Or is this just something from my past that like I'm feeling the hurt again? Or um, is this something that um, uh, I lost my words. In any case, uh, I think it is worth um, just trying in all of our interactions, whether that be at work or online or with partners, with friends, to just really practice um, asking ourselves before we speak, like, is what I'm about to say true? Whether that be to me or is it just like scientific fact <laughs> in terms of like uh, vaccine things, especially right now? Um, is it helpful or beneficial in any way to either me, this person, the greater good, whatever? Um, is it relevant? or timely to this conversation at all, um, or to what's happening in the world? And is it kind? Or am I really trying hard not to cause harm? Because if I'm trying to cause harm, then I probably shouldn't do it. And um, I think that's, that's the difficult piece. Because um, a lot of the time, I don't think we want to cause harm. We just maybe are not aware of all the ways that we can. And um, sometimes it's hard to give ourselves or others the benefit of, benefit of the doubt around causing harm. And that brings me to the next thing I just kind of want to mention. Um, and this is where um, the subject of assault is going to kind of come up. Not a ton, but, you know, I'm going to be mentioning it here and there. Um, so... Um, I have mentioned the idea of like cancel culture here and there and just like how weird it is that it's now part of like the mainstream um, conversation because for so many years it was like, you know, part of the um, subcultural lexicon um, just coming up in like punk and hardcore and DIY music. Like it was a, a topic that came up a lot. And now it's taken on this like massive, um, I don't know, it's like, I feel like I'm hearing about cancel culture left and right. And so often it's, um, it's just kind of bullshit. And this is why I think it is like, I know it seems like I've really cr critiqued it or I feel like it seems like I have critiqued it, but I think I've also mentioned like, I'm not necessarily against the idea as a whole um it's just really it's complicated because I think here's here's the issue that I see coming up a lot in terms of just how the idea of cancel culture gets thrown around um in the mainstream right now is like okay so um let's just use a very, very fresh example of Shia LaBeouf. Um, he, um, I mean, I feel like he's been canceled and uncanceled a couple times. 
Um, and that's, that's why I want to bring this up because I think when we talk about cancel culture, um, a lot of the time we, at least in the mainstream dominant conversation, uh, it seems like we really think that when someone gets quote unquote canceled, their, um, their life is over. But especially like in the mainstream, uh, in the dominant conversation, like who, who's really getting canceled, you know? Um, Because someone like Shia LaBeouf, who has a record of alcoholism and abuse, um, let's be real, even with Twigs suing him and, and Twigs is very prominent, you know, it's, it's not like this is just some random person that no one uh, knows who they are, doesn't trust their integrity or anything. Um, Let's be real, like, is this going to ruin Shia LaBeouf's career in any way? I really doubt it, you know? I think um, people are very quick to quote-unquote cancel women, um, especially women of color, black men, um, queer and trans people, especially, God, in terms of queer and trans people, it's like, well, you used to say you were this and now you're this, so like, how am I supposed to believe you? You know, like, let's be honest, who actually gets canceled? Um, everyone except straight white men, for the most part, like anyone else is at far more risk of losing something and they do. And that's why I think it's like, it's sticky. Um, and I think something to really consider too is like, um, okay, this is, this is where I'm coming at it from. Like in in community, ideally, um, instead of relying on police or instead of trying to be our own police forces, uh, when someone in our community fucks up, whether they like say something racist or if they're abusing their partner or whatever, like if you have a long-standing relationship with this person and you see the good in them, uh, I think it's important not to run away from the bad in them. And instead, if this is someone who is not harming you, because that's also important, if, if this person is harming you, you don't need to be the one to hold them accountable. But if they're not harming you, except for just kind of, you know, it hurting your feelings that they're not who you maybe thought they were, we need to be holding people accountable. I mean, first off, we should all be holding ourselves accountable. And if we fuck up, then I think we need to own that. But like, more importantly, I mean, I've seen firsthand how um, how just canceling someone can just transfer the problem to someone else. And this is just coming from kind of like a DIY lens. This um, This is very much coming from the background that I come from. But I mean, there have been lots of men um, who've caused harm in other cities and then they would come to Fresno and then they would cause harm to uh, women and um, femme folks, non-binary people, trans people. Um, Generally, um, sexual assault, coercion, 
and then uh, once people kind of learn what's happening, they just move on to another city. And I don't think that's solving anything because we can shout from the rooftops how fucked up someone is um, to their partners or to people that they're intimate with or whatever. Um, but when, when people in other cities have no relationship to us, I think for one thing, it's less like, well, I mean, it's just harder to trust someone who, whose credibility you really know nothing of. But I think what happens too, just based on power dynamics is if that person is a man and the other people are not, um, then the man's character uh, is held in a higher regard. And that's not always true, but I just feel like I've seen it a lot. And so I think um, I think it, there are a lot of really valid critiques to um, cancel culture, especially now that it's become like a, a mainstream conversation and it's getting applied left and right to things that are like, okay, but did anyone actually cancel this person or this company? Or are you just kind of being, I mean, are you just feeling sad about it or whatever? You know, because a lot of the time, like, no one was really canceled. It's just like some people have decided to boycott this thing. So, I mean, they're doing fine. They're still raking in money. Who cares? Um, so, yeah, there are dominant, um, bleh, sorry, my words. There are valid critiques, um, but I think we also need to be very careful <laughs> about how we um, how we talk about cancel culture and how we talk about abuse and accountability, because um, I think ideally we would all be able to hold ourselves accountable, but. And a thing that further complicates that is sometimes we're not aware of the things that we need to be held accountable for because of where we come from or how we grew up or harms that we've experienced. And so we just kind of internalize things. Um, and that's where community comes in. That's why community is so important because we have people in our lives who um, who have different perspectives different backgrounds, different coping mechanisms, different tools. And then what should ideally be happening is we can count on our friends to be like, hey, what you said or did was kind of fucked up and I love you and I believe in you. So let me reframe this for you. I would like to see this from you because I know that you're capable of better. Um... And obviously that's not going to happen with like billionaires, you know, who's going to hold them accountable because who has, you know, equal standing to them, but also any kind of morals, you know, but in community, I think that's what I would love to see kind of more of like a, a transformative justice viewpoint where, um, we can count on ourselves and each other to just do better and to want better, and also to believe that we are capable of better. Um, because let's be real, like, the person that I was at age 18, while they certainly believed in a lot of the same things they 
that I believe in currently. Um, 18-year-old Sam did not know of an awful lot <laughs> about a lot of things. And there's a lot of things that I would have handled very differently. And honestly, 29-year-old me um, has already learned an awful lot that 27 and 28-year-old me did not know. And um, yeah, I think uh, if someone is causing you harm, then you are absolutely not obligated to hold any kind of space for them. You don't need to be the one. But I think if we have people in our lives who are causing harm, then if we're in a space where we can um, hold space for their betterment, then we need to be doing that. Like, it's interesting, too, that um, this Shia LaBeouf thing just came out because I was in um, my uh, online psychology class and our group uh, final projects were... Like, uh, basically, we were supposed to pick, like, someone and diagnose them, which I'm like, okay, that seems counterintuitive to everything we've talked about all semester, but okay. And one group chose Shia LaBeouf. And, um, you know, I don't know a lot about Shia LaBeouf, but um, turns out, having viewed this group presentation, um, that when he was, um, like, a kid, he saw his mom being raped apparently. He was there for that. I can only imagine what kind of fucked up trauma that would um, contribute. Um, so he does, he has been diagnosed with PTSD on top of alcoholism, obviously. So um, I think it's a good reminder that um, there is some truth to that old saying, like, hurt people hurt people. And it's not an excuse. Uh, I mean, I'm positive that he has people in his life who have tried um, to hold him accountable and to um, to want him to want better for himself. And, you know, I know he's been to rehab and whatever, but it really seems like, um, you know, that's one of those situations where... Um, I mean, you can't force someone to change. That's another thing to consider as well. Um, people have to see that what they're doing is wrong and they have to see that they can do something different. And uh, some people are just not in that space. Like I know there have been people in my life where I've been like, hey, this really hurt me. This has been hurting me. This is what I need to be different. And then they're like, mm, well, I'm fine. So no, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, I did what I could. It's on you now. So, um, yeah. Um, so the bottom line to that is like, we do and say the things we do for a lot of complicated reasons. Um, but mental illness and abuse is not an excuse. It is, um, an explanation, but the buck doesn't stop there. Um, once we know better, we have to do better and some people will, some people won't. And it just really, I think is unfortunate that the people who do are generally the ones who are more likely to be quote unquote canceled. Um, or, you know, this weekend, um, Brandon Bernard 
was uh, executed, um, which is super fucked because, um, you know, that's an example of someone who realized that they made a mistake and then spent the rest of their life um, trying to improve themselves and um, to really take accountability for that and to ensure that they would never cause that harm again. And um, because the system is racist, <laughs> um, you know, he didn't really get a chance to take that um, back out into the world, whereas someone like Shia LaBeouf can continually cause harm and probably never really face consequences for it. So, um, yeah, hopefully any of that made sense. Um, I'm not sure if it did. But yeah, if... I think when I think of cancel culture, I really think about like, who do I have, um, who in my sphere is in a similar, um, social bracket to me? Like who has, um, relative privilege to me or whatever, you know, like who's on my level and how can I use that, um, to hold them accountable and to ask them to do the same for me because, I mean, it's not really my place to tell, um, you know, like a black woman how to feel or think or whatever, you know, that's not my, that's not my lane. I mean, if she's doing something she shouldn't be doing, uh, I probably still don't need to be the one to tell her that unless like she's actively harming me. But, um, you know, white people in my life, I do really try to kind of be like, hey, uh, you know, that word, mm, I wouldn't use that. And here's why. But I think, I mean, looking back, there are a lot of times when I could have done better. Uh, and I'm really trying. And I just really hope that we can all do that um, and be willing to um, to admit that, like, okay, this person really let me down. Like, this is someone that I really care about, and I hate to believe that they're capable of harm. But they're human. They are, just as I am. So I'm going to do my best to hold them accountable. Um, yeah. I like to believe. I mean, I do know that people are capable of change. I just think that some people are more likely to embrace it and to want to grow. And some people just don't really feel like there's anything wrong. And in my experience, that's mostly white men. But, um, you know, my experience isn't everything. But I don't know. The mainstream cancel culture rhetoric really also um, makes me think that that's true, that um, a lot of straight white men just think that they can do whatever they want. And... Um, people will be really quick to make sure that they don't get quote unquote canceled, which really, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I'll expand on that another time when my words come together better, but yeah, there's been a, a lot of really interesting dialogue about cancel culture going on on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I think it's now that it is such a big mainstream topic of conversation, it's just really interesting to see what's coming up for people 
and how we're kind of navigating it, especially as um, the idea of transformative justice becomes a little bit more mainstream as well. Because I mean, just a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, restorative justice. Wow, this is so like um, new to the to the mainstream conversation. And now we've moved even further. And it's just like, wow, like we're envisioning new futures without without police and without trying to police each other. And so, um, yeah, it's just really interesting. Um, so let's start wrapping up, I guess. Um, if you are following Cal Folk on Instagram, Cal Folk on the Cushion, you may have noticed that I did put out another prompt. Um, so if you can, please respond. But basically the prompt is, um, what's something that you've learned about yourself or your relationships, your relationship to capitalism, um, employment, something about your boundaries, um, that you want to really focus on carrying forward into 2021? Or alternately, what's something that you've learned about yourself or your relationships, boundaries, whatever, that you want to leave behind in 2020, uh, in this hellfire of a year? Um, So it's kind of a reframing of resolutions. It's more like it's not like I want to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, I want to really focus on, um, you know, something like setting better boundaries around my time at work and not, uh, going in extra all the time where I want to, um, stop using such negative self-talk, things like that. So, um, yeah, you can leave a comment on Instagram, DM me on Instagram, Hit me up on Twitter at Sam Retton. Uh, email me, sam at calfolkonthecushion.com, uh, etc. Please respond so that I have something to talk about next week. Um, as always, uh, you can support me via Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash calfolkonthecushion. There is a PayPal button on calfolkonthecushion.com. And there is a Patreon patreon.com slash cowfolk. Um, there's November content on there. There's December content on there. There will be January content on there before long. So, um, yeah, hit me up if you have the means and would like to support me because I'm still not working. Um, I guess that's really about it. Um, Again, thank you so much to Terry for the new theme song. I will be using that going forward. I'm a big fan. Um, Be safe, be happy, be well. uh, And I will talk at you next week. (laughs) 